You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. to see uh, Dale's not leaving there. I got up right after just finished and started to leave. Uh, I'm wearing a jacket today because I got a haircut yesterday, so that's just the way it goes. Just cold. Uh, one thing about Jess's message that I was reminded of when, he was, ta- when I was sitting over there uh, during Jess's message, and he was talking about the lilies of the, fle- the field and the, the flowers and how they're cloaked. And we had the most beautiful flowers up here. Do you guys notice that too? It was like such an illustration of what he was talking about. And that's, again, thanks to Marilyn. So Marilyn preached a little bit silently through the flowers. <laughs> Which leads us into a discussion of eldership. <clears throat> Don't really know how, but it did. Um, we're going to be in Acts today. Uh, we're going to start in, cha- in Acts chapter 11. So you can turn there if you like. And I do have kind of a short lesson, so it works out <laughs> works out pretty well. Uh, just a quick review of last time. Uh, we talked about spiritual titles and honorifics. Talked about that quite a bit. Um, about use of you know Pastor Jess and that kind of thing. And um, kind of, I think we kind of came to the conclusion that those things should be avoided, if possible. And it's a yeah, it's a it's a it's a kind of a habit, isn't it? I was coming, we were coming across Long Bridge this morning. We we're talking about a pastor that we had in Ohio, Diane and I. And I said, now didn't Pastor Vaughn pass away about four years ago? And it's habit. I mean, it's it's the the way that we we express respect for that office a lot of times, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, but again, I'm going to try to avoid using those sorts of spiritual titles, but I, I'm not going to confront you in your sin if I hear you say Pastor Jess or something like that, okay? It's not, uh, I'm not being that dogmatic about it. We had a little bit of discussion about how plurality of elders makes decisions and how, how uh, they do things. And the main point of that was that the elders are to execute the Word of God. So it's not really so much that they have to decide things. They just have to understand what the Word of God says about that thing and make sure that it's pursued. And that's really what makes eldership possible, uh, plurality of eldership possible. We talked a little bit about paid elders and unpaid elders, and we'll see some more about that um, probably, well, maybe today, maybe uh, in a couple of weeks. And then we looked at some other positions that existed in the early New Testament church, apostles and prophets and deacons and women. Whatever that means, and we'll get to that in a few weeks. So, we're going to start with some passages in Acts today. I've got uh, three passages in Acts that I want to look at that bear on eldership. And we'll start with a real short one. Acts 11, verses 27 through 30. You got that open? It says, Now at this time some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. 
And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. Well, that's really kind of a simple little passage, isn't it? Um, I want to bring it out because this is the first mention in Acts of Christian elders. And that's in the last word of, of this passage. The elders. So this is an offering. It's presumably a fairly significant offering. It was uh, given to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. So why would I bring this up even? What does this have to do with elders? What can you learn about elders from, from this little passage? They're trusted with money. They're responsible for money. Right? One of the qualifications we'll see of elders that relates to money is what? Does anybody know? That has to do with money? Good stewards is... What's that? <laughs> the benevolence? Yeah, there's a, there's a specific qualification that elders have to attain that has to do with their relationship toward money. Good stewardship is one of them. We're talking about managing their household. That's included in that. There's, there's that one as well. Free from the love of money. They have to be trustworthy with money. They have to understand that it's not their money. That's the church's money. It's God's money to be used for the benefit of the church. So that's one thing. The other part is just the general financial responsibility of elders. Elders are responsible for the finances of the church. If the church is mismanaged and goes bankrupt, that's the fault of the elders. Elders are responsible for that. Now, how does it work in our church? You know, <laughs> yeah, we just blame God. That works good. We wish we could do that. <laughs> we do. We have a stewardship committee that Don Don serves on, and we love the stewardship committee. We absolutely love the stewardship committee because they do all of that. Right? They they manage all of that. So, is that unbiblical that we have a stewardship committee? If I just said that elders have to be responsible for the finances. Right. And that's exactly what's happening. Don? Yeah. Yeah, that's really, they prepare a budget, elders approve the budget, and then they kind of watchdog that budget, and if there's something that comes up, they bring it to the elders. So the elders are still responsible for it. It doesn't mean they have to make all those day-to-day decisions. And the hard part, especially because we have a paid elder, it's, it would be hard for the elders to sit down and make a determination about what the salary of that paid elder ought to be, because that paid elder is one of the elders. And for the longest time, that is exactly what had to happen. It was, it was you know, it was really uncomfortable, and it, it was just... It wasn't. It didn't feel like it was being done properly and in order, and so the stewardship committee was just as uh, just as idea, and it was. It's been great for us. So we love the stewardship committee. The stewardship committee has its responsibility for finances, but ultimately the elders are responsible for that. Can't shirk that duty. All right. So that's a simple passage. I think there's a couple of a couple lessons.
Yeah, definitely. And we'll actually look at that in some detail. That uh, the worker's worth his wages. Okay. A couple chapters over. We're going to spend a little more time in. This is Acts 14, verses 19 through 23. This is a really, really interesting passage. And it's really the only history we have related to how elders are chosen. The only history we have. It's the only, uh, it's the only time it's related in Acts, in other words. So Acts 13 and 14, that is, it records the first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas. And so you know a lot about that first missionary journey. We spent, how many years did we spend on the first missionary journey, do you think? A lot longer than Paul and Barnabas did. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. So we're not going to really talk about all of this, except uh, this passage at the end, 19 through 23. And there's a couple things we can learn about elders that are really uh, kind of interesting and important here. First of all, this is, uh, well, let's read it together. You'll see what I'm, some of the things I'm getting at. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. This is 19 through 23 of, verse, of chapter 14. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went with Barnabas to Derbe. After they had preached the gospel of that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So the first thing, this is just something to remember. We're not going to do much with this today. The first thing to remember is that there were elders in all of these churches in this region of Galatia. So there were elders in these churches when Paul wrote letters to those churches. Later on, we're going to look at those letters to the churches. And one of the questions that comes up is, why didn't Paul write any, to, anything specifically to the elders? Okay, so one thing you remember when we do that is they did have elders, so that that is a reasonable question to ask, and we'll we'll look at that when we get there. Okay. Another thing of some note is this is the first appearance of Gentile Christian elders. This is appointment of elders in Gentile Christian churches. Okay. Okay, so a couple of things that I want to I want to make sure that we see. First of all, verse 23 says when they and who are they? In verse 23, Paul and Barnabas, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, elders, plural, in every church, singular. So in every church, there was appointed a plurality of elders. And that's not an accident. Paul and Barnabas could easily have appointed the pastor in each of those churches and appointed over that pastor a bishop that oversaw the pastors of the various churches and over that appointed a monsignor and over that a cardinal and over that a whatever and over that a whatever. But Paul didn't do that. Paul and Barnabas didn't do that. And it's not because they didn't understand what they should do. All right? Plurality of elders, that's the first point. I want, want to go through, this is just kind of a shot, shotgun of lots of different verses in, your, in the scriptures that support this idea of plurality of elders. 
in each of these different churches. So first of all, you've got Acts 11.30, which we just read in the church in Judea. It says, and this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. That's what we just read, right? So there were elders in that church. This is Acts 14.23 that we're reading now. They appointed elders for them in every church. This is the region of Galatia. Acts 15.6, again, the church in Jerusalem, the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. Acts 20.17, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus. They called him the elders of the church. There were elders in that church in Ephesus. Um, in his letter to Titus, Paul writes, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. So there were to be elders in every church in Crete. Philippians, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Again, plurality of elders. Are you signaling me something? Oh, I moved the, moved the thing up. I thought she wanted to be louder. I'm getting louder and louder, and she still can't see what I'm got up there. Um, first Timothy, oh no, James, run James. Is anyone among you sick? He must call for the elders of the church and there to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And no, we're not going to talk about the oil yet today, maybe, maybe later. We'll have Jess do that. <laughs> First Timothy 5.17, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. That could be a general reference to elders there, not necessarily to elders in a specific church. I can't, uh, can't prove that. Um, can I postpone that? Because that's a long... No. <laughs> okay. It's kind of what we talked about last time a little bit, but those who, those who that is what they do, is they work hard at, teach, at preaching and teaching are worthy of double honor. Twice as much money, I think, really generally. We'll, we'll, we'll do that at some length. Okay, First Peter 5.1, Churches in Asia Minor, therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and partaker also the glory that is to be revealed. First Thessalonians 5.12, the church in Thessalonica, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. Those who diligently labor among you. Hebrews 13.17, and we don't really know. I, Rome, this may have been written to a church in Rome. We don't really know that. Um, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So not a leader, but leaders. Right? Does that make sense? You cannot find, and we're going to look at some potential exceptions, you cannot find a clear reference to a singular elder of a church in the New Testament. It's not there. It's always a plurality of elders. Right? The one example we have where Paul appointed elders, he appointed elders. Just, did you have a question or no? Okay. Now there, people bring up some potential exceptions, and I want to look at those. Just to be, you know, kind of thorough in this. Timothy and Epaphras. So what do you know about Timothy? Young man, right? 
We looked at that before. Was he an elder of a church? He was appointed as something. He was an elder. It's referred to as an elder. He, he did the work of an elder. He was also told to do the work of another role that we talked about last time. He was told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. All right. So he was both of those things. But Timothy never really stuck around at a church. You know that? He traveled. He traveled around with Paul. He was a delegate of the Apostle Paul. His is not a position that can be pinned down as he's a local church elder. Okay? So he did sometimes go alone, apparently. But there's nothing in the, anything about Timothy where we can gather with any certainty that he was a local church elder that worked alone. Okay? He just wasn't that. He was an apostolic delegate. Uh, Epaphras is another. Epaphras is kind of a, we don't know a whole lot about Epaphras, but he uh, is probably the one that founded the church at Colossae, if you look in Colossians uh, chapter 1. But he was with Paul in Rome when that book was written, and he had no intention of going back to that church. So, again, he's an elder, but he wasn't a local church elder. He was like Timothy, a man who traveled with Paul and helped Paul. So I don't really see those as exceptions to this idea of a plurality of elders. Does that make sense? Is that reasonable? Yeah? Do you have any like dumb questions to ask about that or anything? Or good questions? You know, people always say that, hey, there's no dumb questions. If you have a question, ask it. There's no dumb questions. And you're sitting there knowing that, yes, there are dumb questions. I hear them. I've said them. I've asked them. Okay. But who cares if the dumb questions or not? You can still ask them. If they're really dumb questions, you probably don't even know they're dumb questions. Right? So you'll hear sometimes people say, well, what about Timothy? Well, Timothy wasn't a local church elder, and there's no real evidence that that uh, he was that. How about... Yep. He was an elder. He was responsible for teaching and preaching. That's for sure. But he wasn't an elder in the way that the Scripture is generally talking about elders and what you should do with elders and what the qualifications and the, all those things. He's he's a little different. He just he worked for he worked for Paul. He worked directly for Paul, which would be really cool. But he wasn't a local church elder. How about James? I'm talking about James, the Lord's brother. James is one of the coolest guys in the Bible. He, he's really, you read about James, or you, read, you know, read the book of James, you read about James. I don't know, I cannot tell you what, James was this. Like, James was an apostle. I can't say that for sure. He's referred to as an apostle, but I can't say that he wasn't one of the twelve. He's the Lord's brother. He didn't believe on Christ. He didn't believe in his brother until apparently after the resurrection. So, I think that's right. Have to look at that. But he's called an apostle in Galatians. He's called an elder elsewhere in Scripture. But James was James. I think James was James. When people said James the Lord's brother, he was James. 
and we respected James. He didn't necessarily hold a specific position like Paul the Apostle or you know, this guy over here, the elder, or this guy, the deacon. He was James. The other thing about James, he was, at the church in Jerusalem, he was not the only elder at the church of Jerusalem. We know that from other passages. Peter was there. Uh, John was there. They had elders there. So there's just because he was this lone man who is referred to as an elder, it, that's again not evidence that he was the lone elder of a local church. He wasn't. He wasn't that. But he's a pretty amazing guy. Now this is maybe the best exception. You know, in Revelation chapter two, it's the, the seven churches, right? And look at your Bible. Go back to Revelation two, just real quick. We'll come back to Acts. But... And it, it does this over and over again. I put up Revelation two one. That's especially relevant to what we're doing. And mine says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. Alright. Does yours say angel in verse 1? Okay. Do you have a text note or anything? It says messenger, right? That's what the word really means. It is a Greek word that sounds a lot like angel. Angelos. I guess that's how you say it. Is that right, Anna? She doesn't know. That's good. <laughs> right. So it's generally translated angel, but not. it doesn't necessarily mean angel. It just means messenger. And so there are some that say, look, angels aren't in charge of churches. Angels don't have authority over local church bodies. So maybe angel isn't the right translation. It maybe should be thought of as an elder. That's John MacArthur's take on it, and lots of other good, sound Bible teachers, that that is not an angel, that it's a person, and it would be a person who leads church. So here, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right. Maybe we could think of that as to the elder of the church in Ephesus, right. So that sounds like a plural elder, doesn't it? Or, sorry, singular elder. So how do you handle that? What do we know about Ephesus? What do we know for sure about Ephesus? We just read about this, the verse that I put up there. Paul called the elders from the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus had elders. So if this means to the elder of the church, it could mean the, that there's a special leader among those elders, a first among equals that this is referring to possible. Okay. But there's no contradiction even between thinking of this as the elder and understanding that plurality of elders is the way is the pattern of the New Testament. Okay. It would be perfectly fine if somebody said, hey, I'd like to talk to the pastor of Kootenai Community Church. We generally would know who they're talking about. Right? Now, technically, there's three, but that's okay. There can be a special leader, a first among equals, among elders. And that could mean what that could be what this is about. Okay. Does that make sense? 
So it could refer to angels. It could refer to this special leader. So that's one of the two points that I wanted you to see from this passage. And the other one, I'm going to give real short shrift to, I'm afraid. Uh, the Back to Acts, chapter 14. Verse 23. Actually, I'll put this up and do this. And I try to put them all on there so Brenda doesn't have to signal me. <laughs> Three translations of the same passage. This is uh, verses 21 through 23 of Acts 14. So this is what we just read. And the, the point I want to make here is that pa- Paul and Barnabas appointed elders. Right? That's why I asked who the they was. When, when, it, when the scripture says, when, when they had appointed elders, right? there's a couple things we want to understand about that. First of all, the word appointed is a Greek keratineo, which that means hand stretching. literally what it means. So it says that when they had hand stretched elders for them in every church. Okay, if you a literal rendering of the word. Hand stretch. So when you think of stretching out your hand, what might you be thinking about? Hmm? That's one that might be one idea is the laying on of hands. I'm not gonna do it. Not to lay any anyway. You'd get hurt. Um, yeah, that's. But the Greek for laying on of hands is a different word. So that's what you might first think of, and, and it, they use ordained. So you think of of that. But here, that's not what he's talking about. And not that you shouldn't lay your hands on elders, but that's not what's being referred to here. Okay. So that's first thing. What's something else you might think about? Stretching out your hand, voting on it, right? Raising their hands to signal a vote. But who's doing the appointing here? Paul and Barnabas. So you think they sat together and go, okay, what do you think about this guy? <laughs> oh, man, it's a tie. Okay. It's unanimous, you know. It doesn't make sense in this context, does it? Right. Now, I want you to see what the, how the NIV handles this. A lot of you read NIV, right? Yours says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders. And it has a text note. Ray, not... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yours was when the saints go marching in, though, I think it was. Which was good. It was church. It says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders. This is a text note. If you look down at your text note, it says, or Barnabas ordained elders, laying on of hands idea, or Barnabas had elders elected, the voting idea. And that little text note about had elders elected, that's a real stretch. That's the NIV trying to be inclusive with anybody's idea about how this possibly could be translated. They have the good sense to put the, the reasonable translation into the main body of the text, but they do put that footnote down there. Now, keratineo can mean voting. 
It can mean that. The, the trouble is it doesn't tell you what it means from the, from the text. It just says keratoneo. It just could mean appointing, selecting. could be stretching out of hands like this, like appointing is the idea. It just means choosing, appointing. Right? But given the fact that it's Paul and Barnabas doing it, it's unlikely that it's voting. Right? It's more likely affirmation, recognition of men that they consider to be worthy of those positions, qualified for those positions. Okay, so why do I care about that? Why would why do you care about that? I guess that answers that question. Yeah, right. Some denominations base their way of selecting elders on this. This is the only history we have about how elders are selected, and so. If you're not careful with that, you can choose a method for selecting elders that is really unbiblical. Voting on elders is not biblical. Church leaders appointing other church leaders is the biblical pattern. Now, there should be, because one of the qualifications for elders, well, there's many that pertain to this, but elders have to be beyond reproach, right? If you know that I've done something that would bring reproach to the gospel, to the church, you, as a member of the congregation, have to let the other elders know that. Because an elder can't be below reproach, right? Can't have something that they're carrying around. Okay? So there is that affirmation in that sense in the part of the congregation. And really, even people outside the congregation potentially could come to elders and say, hey, I understand you're wanting to appoint this man, but I happen to know this about him. And that's, that's a right and reasonable thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now it's telling John to write, and then it tells John what to write to deliver to, in that sense, the, the angel of the church in Ephesus. It would be kind of interesting to know how John immediately handled that. Like, you know, did he take that portion of it and or and give it to the church in Ephesus or something like that? I don't don't know. Okay. The last part of this, and so let be real quick. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, there's a lot of they's and them's here, plural pronouns. When they, Paul and Barnabas, had appointed elders for them, the disciples, the Christians, in every city, in every church, having prayed with fasting, they, Paul and Barnabas, commended them, the disciples, not the elders, they commended the disciples, all the believers, to the Lord in whom they had believed. What I think is really great about that passage, and it's a, it's a fantastic reminder as we go through this, Paul and Barnabas did not commend the believers to the elders. Right? They didn't say, well, now you have elders. Elders, we commend these people to you. They didn't do that. Because the, the church does not belong to the elders. They commended them to the Lord. It's the Lord that is the strength and the power and the protection 
it's the Lord that is the Lord, and elders are not that. Right? They're just people who have a specific role. Right? They've been appointed by Paul and Barnabas, but the church belongs to the Lord. Right? And I think that is really, we got to keep that top of mind. We look at the elders and what their responsibility is in more detail. The elders are responsible for the church. But the warnings that Paul, Paul's going to give in Ephesians 20, which we'll look at uh, next time. The church belongs to the Lord. It was bought with His blood. And so you have a huge responsibility if you take any responsibility over part of His church. And we'll talk about it next time, but that doesn't just apply to elders. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you have a very grave responsibility. You are taking responsibility over part of the flock of God for that period of time to bring the word to them. So it's it's a big deal. When you lead worship, when you are an Awana leader, whatever it is that you do, if you are taking responsibility over part of God's flock for a period of time, very grave responsibility. And that's why we have the qualifications and all these other things that we're gonna we're gonna look at. So I'll finish there, but I, uh, just to let you know, I'll be gone next week, and Mr. Kemery will come and give you a message. Uh, it's going to be amazing, I'm sure. The man has just an amazing background. If any of you know him, you should get to know him. He was married, he and Evelyn were married by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He served under him for 28 years. I think he did a, he, he did a message every week for 28 years. So he has something very, very amazing for you. He's kind of talked to me about what it's going to be. He has a very quiet voice, so you have to bring your you know, your listening ears, but it'll definitely be worth listening to. Okay? All right, let's pray and we'll finish. Father, we are again thankful for your word and for the, the clarity that it has. There isn't anything hidden from us that we need to know. Uh, just It's there for us. It's clear. It's understandable. Uh, sometimes takes some work, and uh, we are just thankful, Lord, that, that you've given it to us. It's a blessing beyond anything we could ever ask or think. And we thank you, Lord, that you are Lord, that uh, no man is our Lord, no man is our Savior. You are all of those things. And we, we pray, Lord, we would always keep that first and, uh, and act that way as we, uh, we think about church leaders or other leaders. That we always keep, keep in mind that you are our leader. Uh, ultimately, we serve you and you alone. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting KootenyChurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.